1: All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Mitch Michael, Santa Monica Studios, Australian Open into Week 2. Joined now by Tennis Channel Zone at that time of year again. Joining back on the show, established journalist, 60-minute correspondent, John Wertheim. Fresh off the set of Tennis Channel Live's two-hour show, John. Welcome back and uh, hope hope the energy's high because we're going to need it today.
0: All right, high (laughs) energy. Uh, Good to be here. I'm already... I've
1: already taking my tie off, but uh, I'll talk some tennis. Yeah, you know the start of the season every year we do this highs and lows where there's the short off season. Everybody hits the ground running, and the first thing I wanted to start with, and I don't know if you've seen it, I've noticed the the commentary online and on the, in the media, but the depth of the game has really been striking me as jarring. These first and second rounds, and you know watching these matches because the scoreline won't do it justice, but some of these upsets we've seen, whether it's Holger going out or on the women's side. I feel like the players have really taken the match. It hasn't been given to them. And I don't know if it is more resources in tennis or just the quality of depth is better, but I'm starting to see the talent pool widen across both tours.
0: Um, I think you're right. Hot take. Yeah. This is what happens <laughs> when you don't have Serena, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. I mean, to me, this, is, this tournament's really a sense of, look, these guys were extraordinary. We could pencil them through to the semis and yeah. finals. And you're talking about... You know, four players that among them won more than 80 majors. Uh, we don't have that anymore. No. And the margins are thin. The other thing, I, I think you raise a good point on resources. And we have these announcements of, of the ATP and to some extent the WTA being having this essentially guaranteed wage and players investing more into their training. Mm-hmm. We were talking on the show, you know, Cam Norrie now has a data guy. Mm-hmm. It would have been inconceivable that a player yeah. outside the top 10 had a data guy on staff mm-hmm. not that long ago. And I think that the sort of the investment in training and coaching has probably narrowed that as well. But we, we always yeah. used to see, oh, well, the, the margins are narrow. And what <laughs> we're realizing is that Federer Nadal, <laughs> Yeah. Those are the outliers. Uh-huh. What's much more statistically probable is that two guys, one uh-huh. of them's you know number eleven, and one of them's number forty. Yeah, they may it's it's, it's a coin right. flip sometimes.
1: I saw a stat and Demon Hour lost last night. Sitsipas is still in the top ten. He would have exited with that loss when the Aussie ended. It would have been fifty-eight months in the top ten. Which is an insane for Steph. For yeah, Steph. For Steph great, we don't know. bat an eye at that because we're used to what Federer, Djokovic, Serena did in the top ten. So I think you're, I think that point's huge. I think the other side of it is that players would have tapped out maybe a little early on pro tennis or maybe plateaued and gotten into media or gotten into coaching or whatever. And there's more you know incentive incentivization to keep going. So that's the first thing I noticed with this tournament. Um, gotta gotta backtrack a little bit though. You got the chance to with sixty minutes speak to Novak Djokovic in Serbia at the end of his twenty twenty three season a great interview if you guys haven't checked it out but you know the mind behind the genius and what he said and how he was able to kind of tell his story in that interview is fascinating I'll start with this was there anything that you kind of learned in talking to him about his perspective on things and maybe his motivation on things that you didn't know before
0: yeah I mean it was it was a wild interview in the sense that uh he was great he really came to play it's not often an athlete like that is a so open about his process, his mentality. I think he is, you know, I think he's a naturally curious guy. And I think in a weird way, he's as curious about his success as any of his fans are, or if any of us uh-huh. are. And it almost helps him to articulate what's going on. But I, mean, I think he really sort of relishes talking about his processes because I think, honestly, he's a little mystified by it all. Um, I mean, one thing that struck me, and I don't know if it's a surprise, but just how absolutely devoted tennis he remains and Mm -hmm. sometimes you know he's 36 years old he has multiple kids he's won the goat race like what's he doing and you say oh my god this guy's motivation is no different it's no less intense Mm -hmm. than it was (laughs) 10 years ago when he was chasing and he said look i've moved from this sort of chasing mode to creating mode but he has found motivation and some of it is external right I yeah. want to beat these kids I like that Carlos Alcaraz blinked and looked me in the eye now I can go beat him in Cincinnati and yeah. I can go uh, try to win the U.S. Open I also think he has found motivation just doing things really well mm-hmm. and I mean again he's, he's 36 years old he's got 24 majors he could retire tomorrow and most people would say greatest ever and he's still yeah not drinking beer <laughs> um yeah. it's really extraordinary how devoted he is
1: it rejuvenated him certainly that Alcaraz, these guys sent are coming up. Uh, hearing him say the stuff about contact sports about how it is like you don't get to actually like physically interact, but he will notice if he's breaking a guy down on the replay or what's in his eyes. Yeah, and yeah That yeah. part was fascinating. Yeah. And there's just gotta be no replacing the feeling of being the best at something, being that good at a sport. So I wonder if that's part of it that, you know, what it's like any pro athlete retiring; like he's broken all the records, right. but you're still really good. Where else are you going to find that replacement?
0: No, it's it's something all athletes I think face. If somebody said to you, "Hey, listen, you're in your mid thirties. you got? Fifty yeah. years of living? <laughs> you are never going to be as good at anything else as never. you are at yeah. this. And you can, you know, go ride a horse. You know, Martina Hingis can go ride horses, and you can try and you know open your own fashion studio. But you are never going to be as good as anything ever again in your life. Um, that's pretty daunting, and I think for someone like Novak, he recognizes that and is going to prolong this as long as he possibly can.
1: Well, he's never better than anywhere else in Australia. He's searching for his eleventh record-extending title into the quarterfinals again, fifty-eighth major quarterfinal, which ties him with Federer. Most all, yeah, another stat that's like go? a guy makes twelve quarterfinals in a career. It's like great career, and right. now he's right. you know in the push on sixty, but. The match against Manorino was not competitive, and I know we were looking at Ben Shelton as a potential, and Manorino, to his credit, beats Shelton, but it's like the theme of this tournament, as well as Djokovic's dominance, John, is that styles make fights, and Djokovic just had an answer for everything that Manorino did, and more, maybe more importantly, had a strategy for it as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it also probably helped Manorino. God bless him. <laughs> Great point of his career. He's playing the best tennis. He's in the top 20. He'd also played almost 12 hours of tennis and three straight five-setters, and... Uh, especially at age 35. That's a lot of damage (laughs) you've taken on uh, when you've been
1: playing Novak Djokovic. He's getting, I mean, like any player, not just Manorino, more tired, maybe the fatigue's there, and then Djokovic being the outlier unicorn is getting better as these tournaments go on. He lost the set in the first two matches, cleaned the last way through, and we know this is the money stages for him. But with Novak's game, and I always caution it with any athlete, like you never know how the young generation is going to push. There are big matchups coming, but... Same old, same old. Like, he's just rounding into form in the second week of a major.
0: Yeah, we've, we've seen this before. And, yeah, I mean, Taylor Fritz and Sinner mm-hmm. and So I mean, you know, there's still a lot of talent in the draw. We, um, we forget Medvedev has reached the final <laughs> of this event twice. But, yeah, I mean, you just sort of, after the first two rounds, well, Novak's a little sick, mm-hmm. and these guys are taking sets off him, and there's a wrist injury. And <laughs> the last two matches he's mm-hmm. played, he's been untouchable
1: It does feel like with Yannick Sinner, who would be his, you know, he's got a big quarterfinal match coming up against Ruba, but watch the match against Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff played very well. Like, that's the one, like, don't, you know, props to the Australian Open team for putting those extended highlights on if you missed it, but it really does tell the story that Hatchinoff was not far off. It feels like a moment for Sinner. Like, he had the momentum last year, got some wins over Djokovic, Davis Cup, round-robin play of the ATP Finals he's carrying that momentum on. And it seems like he's working on the little nuances of his game that I would say, give him a chance. It's always going to be a daunting task, but you can't just ball bash with Djokovic. you have to be an all well-rounded player. And I do feel like sinners getting there.
0: I just, it's, to me, it's the one differentiator in tennis that we don't talk about nearly enough as best of three versus best of five. Mm-hmm. And some of this is just the physicality. Some of it is the fact that you can, you know, you can regroup, you can lose two sets and come back. I just, feel like you got to see mm. Sinner do it against yeah. Djokovic in Best of five We, you know I mean the the play in November was terrific I mean I think Sinner's answered a lot of questions but I think he's also at the phase of his career Sinner is now where no more consolation prizes no more moral <laughs> victories if he doesn't win this title I think it's kind of a disappointing campaign so yeah, he, this yeah. could be a breakthrough but it also could be you know mm-hmm. great great November let's <laughs> but you didn't you didn't bring it when when it matter.
1: Yeah, that's a good point thinking about that. The last time we saw him in a major, pushed best of five, Zverev, and lost that match. And that's kind of been the one knock that he five, hasn't. A lot
0: of five-set defeats in Sinner's career. So. Yeah,
1: even if he beats, you're right, there really is no consolation. Like, even if he beats Djokovic, like, lose to Alcaraz or Medvedev, that's going to be a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the game is there, and he's had the hammer on Alcaraz, and, you know, he's somebody that keeps steadily getting better. We talked about it before we started, but Taylor Fritz had last night probably the match win of his career. Definitely in a major, beating Tsitsipas, who... Two years ago, dating back to that, they played in a major, I think it was third round, and Australia. And Fritz was probably the better player, arguably. Lost a couple big points. Kind of avenges that last night. It was a clean match beyond belief for Fritz. I saw the unforced air stats were like 50 to 17. And I don't think he made one. If he did, he made one or two in the fourth set. So this is a player that's not afraid to go for it, but it's just playing cleaner tennis. And, you know, it's the process of becoming an elite player that we're starting to see way out.
0: Yeah, and I, I think also it's it's nice to see, because we what we always say about mm. Taylor Fritz, you know, there's, there's a level of professionalism. It's mm-hmm. admirable. The results at the majors yeah. just aren't there. He knows as well as anyone. That's where players make their bones. Now we've got back-to-back <laughs> quarterfinals. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We were talking about it. I mean, he beats Nadal, wins Indian Wells, but we now know that mm. Nadal was pretty banged up. Uh, this may have been the biggest win of his career.
1: I think so, and I think Seth Sitsipas brought it. There were questions with him. I think he played a pretty good match. He's going to have higher air totals given how he plays on the margins, but there were moments in that match where, I don't want to say Fritz could have checked out, where the going was getting tough, and he had to dig deep. And he won it in four versus five. And, you know, it gets him another crack at Novak Djokovic, but more than anything, it gets him success at this major, where his you know, unfortunately, compatriots haven't had any success this year, it seems like. Yeah, this was... uh, (laughs) We talked about the dartboard thing last year. Like, the American men, it just... You know, it didn't happen across the board this year, except for Taylor Fritz. And,
0: and we're, you know, in, in strange sets of circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's interesting to me that the two best Americans by the rankings earn their keep on the women's side and the men's side. Coco mm-hmm. and Taylor Fritz, as we speak, are still in this yep. tournament. They're going strong. Um, their number, you know, I mean, this, these numbers aren't arbitrary. They are the best Americans for a reason. And then there were some really mystifying and disappointing results thrown in there. Um, I felt, like,
1: I felt like Shelton, trying to break him each down quickly, that was a test that he hadn't passed before, that he hadn't lefty, taken before. Lefty, lefty. Yeah, a not going to give you any yeah. power whatsoever. Exactly. Paul, it was, yes. I hate to say it, it was like the... F- it, well, he had match points that he didn't convert in the fourth, but it went back to that Casper U.S. Open match two years ago. Fifth set, he had nothing left. Right,
0: and I don't, I don't know if that was... I mean, what do we hear about Tommy Paul? That he's really been working on yeah. the conditioning, he's gotten so much more... I don't know if that was just, I had... <laughs> Match points in the four set. I can't believe I shanked mm-hmm. those two balls. I'm checking out. Or if his body just said tap I'll, time.
1: I will give props to Kekmanovic. He saved match points before. Seems like a really tough tennis player out there, and the conditioning's not an issue there. Um, tough to tough to have any positive to say about Tiafo though. Like You have to look at it that way.
0: Played, I, I think that, uh, that Mahach is one of the guys. And people on tennis So I, like like, yeah. I want to practice with this guy. He's this got guy's game. Amazing. He's got game. He should be... Ranked so much higher than he is. You'll note as we speak, he's still in the doubles draw. Mm-hmm. And actually, they beat uh, Ramon Salisbury, the U.S. So this this guy's got some game. But, yeah, I was surprised by, if nothing else, that Francis didn't make that <laughs> more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so those, those were... And then women's side, too. I mean, Sloane Stephens had a chance to get to Week 2, playing a player outside the top 50. Right. Lost the third set. Jesse Pagula, really disappointing yeah. Australia campaign overall.
1: Um, it's good to see yeah, Anna Samova back Anna though. Back yeah, is a good sign. Yeah, yeah I don't know if Pagula was sick. There was some stuff she pulled out of the doubles yeah. match. There was something there, uh, and just for the Czech stuff, good to see the men finally pulling their weight there. It's nice to see. Yeah, that instead guess. of it's just Czech women all the time. That just that's like a never-ending train of just. Uh, maybe remarkable. it is the co- maybe it is the coaching because I've heard more and more tennis people say the instruction. They have a lot of coaches. They have a lot of tie end. Teaching there that maybe You're they just about the check, the check, check team, room. yeah. Like, yeah, the, you know, something's what's, what's interesting. Yeah. Is
0: they're not, it's not like there's one hothouse,
1: so yeah.
0: Some come from, from Borno, you know, or Bruno, mm-hmm. Brno, um, and others are from Prague, and some of them leave the country and come back. It's it's not as though there's one sort of hothouse academy where they're all coming from, but no, for I don't know, the pop, population of eight, there's, nine million, yeah, around there, I think it's extreme. Ordinary, the mm-hmm. quantity of top players are produced
1: and not one style either. Like it That's seems like point. they're not uh, yeah, yeah. some Servant Valley, Some right. do, like Kretchenkova. We were watching her match last night. Just a crafty right. net play I mean, everything.
0: You know, and maybe the, maybe <laughs> possibly the best of the lot. Mujova,
1: yeah, can't <laughs> even play. So. Yeah, as an athlete for sure
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: More with John Wertheim here on Tennis Channel Inside In talking 2024 Australian Open. It does seem though, right, like on the men's side, there's been a few upsets. A lot of the seeds have held. Probably the least we've talked about Alcaraz in a long time. Like he's there. He's the two seed. But I do feel like with the Djokovic stuff and Sinner making his move, we just mentioned Fritz. And. You know, Medvedev's always a character, but it seems like Al Karaz, I don't want to say under the radar, but not being hyped up as much as maybe before.
0: So, uh, you want another hot take?
1: Yeah, let's see. I was telling
0: it. you, we were talking about this on the show, that Farrah Fawcett dies during Wimbledon, uh, maybe 15 years ago. And you say, well, why, why didn't I not know that? Uh, well, Michael Jackson passed away that same day, yeah. obscuring Farrah Fawcett. I think that happens a lot in tennis. Mm-hmm. You've got some crazy match, or the play goes till 3.30 in the morning, or... You've got the mm-hmm. longest match tiebreak in women's tennis history. And sometimes it's just a matter of timing. So if Alcaraz plays a night match, it's going to be really, really late. Not a lot of people are watching tennis mm-hmm. in the U.S. I mean, it's that's
1: true. Yeah, that's probably really it nights. is that these overnights, if you're not, if you're playing the night match the first night on it's, you know, midnight Pacific three exactly. Eastern, that's the worst right. time. You're most better at the late one where the East coast is getting up, but I, we've kind of just looked at them a little differently and not that anything's wrong with that, but I think it's, you know, we're uh, impatient, uh, you know, not focused country sometimes or, or population of tennis sometimes. And, you know, the new hot toy is center right now and Djokovic is still here dominating, but Alcaraz gets to the final. We'll be right back here and yeah, talking exactly. about him again.
0: That's, that's a good point. Yeah. No, we haven't really, I mean, you know, he's he obviously didn't, didn't play last year, hasn't done in Australia yeah. what he's done at the other three majors. Yeah. Where he's reached at least the semis um, and won two of them. It's a good point. I mean, for, you know, for a guy who's kind of the next big mm-hmm. thing and has won two of the last, you know, seven majors, yeah. it's a little. Weird, we haven't talked
1: about it more. I love the point that you made. We should might as well just get it out of the way about how there's no other sport that would be finishing up at four in the morning in, oh, <laughs> across, any, across any league. And I know that there's different circumstances. I understand that it's a one-off and you know, the very next night there was an hour where like, no matches were taking place and it, matches had to go and It was all this chaotic stuff. It does take away from all the storylines that that was only the, the unfair to the players that accomplished so much that day. That was all that was being talked about. I just couldn't get over that they entered this. They started this tournament saying, we're going to fix this by adding another day from a wow, logic well, perspective. That,
0: was just, that, that insulted our <laughs> yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Uh, you want to start this tournament on a yeah. Sunday. I think most people are okay with that, yeah. right? I mean, yeah.
1: This is a, French Open does that. Yeah. French yeah.
0: Open's a, you know, not everyone can afford to mm-hmm. take time off from work, wrap yeah. around as many weekends. That's cool. But yeah. don't insult us yeah. by saying it's to reduce, compress the schedule. Like mm-hmm. you're still putting on two night matches.
1: I wonder, and I heard Sablanka say, and, you know, the idea of losing an off day, it's a debate. I, I think that's fair, and there's, you know, different ways to handle this. But, yeah, something probably should have been done uh, that day for Medvedev. But he bounces right back, and he's another guy that I don't think we understand. We don't really talk about as much how successful he's been in Australia. This is as comfortable as he is anywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, last year last year he lost to quarter, I think, in the third mm-hmm. round. Um, but this is a guy who's been to two finals. <laughs> I also think, boy, he kind of let the tournament off the hook. If he had said this is absurd, now I have to go to sleep at 7 in the morning. <laughs> if he would have lost read, that match. If I lost yeah. that match or my, yeah. my wiring, now this is really going to impact me mm-hmm. the rest of the tournament. He was really cool about it. The tournament should be sending him uh, a gift <laughs> basket or... Uh, you know they they he, he let them off the hook and then he now he's back to normal you know now he's playing uh the yeah.
1: first on the day yeah too bad he's a robot that doesn't really need to deal with sleep patterns that's a pretty okay. good superpower he said to be able yeah, to okay. sleep wherever. would must be nice uh, more on the men's side john any other thoughts of players still in it before we kind of dip to the women for a bit
0: um no i mean it, in a weird way it's been a pretty pretty formful draw i mean there've been some spasm you know uh new Nuno you know, Borges beating
1: <laughs> yeah. college that. college tennis college, making college, a move yeah. here. Him yeah. and Cam Nori making it so far.
0: Uh, yeah, I, what we see, I think there were twenty nine college players in the singles draw. And, yeah, uh, but no, I think um, which which bodes well for later in the tournament. Pretty, you know, inside anyway. A lot of chalk. I don't think when when Dimitrov losing is a big <laughs> week one upset. Yeah. I think uh, that tells you something about the form.
1: That that Arthur Kazo looks pretty good. Yeah, I know Arthur. I
0: hate eight, eight <laughs> reciprocal wild cards yeah, i know
1: um yeah.
0: but in this case boy that kid is made, yeah. and it's nice to see you know the guy's maybe you know five five eleven and a buck sixty and a real shot maker yeah. and he's um he's an exciting yeah I think he's, won, I saw his, he's won one main draw atp match coming in it was in week two of a major
1: that was one where he beat holger he beat greeks poor back-to-back, mm. and they were pretty sport, great yeah. matches. Yeah, he just, yeah. Greeksport was like one and done. Arthur makes me think of Dudley Moore a little bit when I saw another Arthur coming through, no, so. A, we've
0: got we got Beast <laughs> and, and Rindernet, who <laughs> yeah. said he was the number three just, Arthur. Um, just everybody yeah, coming
1: through. From... Oh, well, the women's side, uh, can't say the seeds have held their weight as much as the men. Ego's uh, loss, really, and I shouldn't just pinpoint it on that, but it really was that final House of Cards moment. So many upsets before, but when she went out, Quinn Winseng is the highest seed left on the top of the bracket. That's a 12.
0: Nice nice player, but that's wild. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad about Iga, in part because, uh, you know, I, I think we, most of us, you, you like her personally, you like her game, you like what she's achieved. I mean, I think you could make the case this is the most accomplished player since Serena, and yet, I don't know. I mean, she's, she's lost four of the last five majors she's entered. Mm-hmm. She lost to a player outside the top 50. The major she's lost to... You know she's she's great on clay, great great at the French. The other, she's not even getting to the latter rounds. She's losing to a player ranked number fifty. Um, I feel like they're just some.
1: there has been a pattern here. There's yeah. been a pattern of winning the first set and then the dip completely wheels fall off and then maybe exactly. not be able to handle the pushback. I wonder, and that's obviously the the number one point you made is got to separate clay from the rest. Yeah. Different yeah. player on clay, dominant has a chance to chase down Chrissy Everett's record. I'm all with you there, but. Other majors hasn't happened for her. I wonder if, and I'm not obviously in the camp, and this is just me thinking out loud. She's so good with her plan A, but when plan A doesn't work, where's the adjustments? Where it's like the co we see football on with the playoffs now. When when they make adjustments, how do you react when you're not doing scripted plays anymore? Niskova, I mean, props to her, 19 year old, another check, but that felt like a winnable match for an elite player if you're number one in the world.
0: So, and I think, you know, I mean, e- Ega's tinkering with her serve in the off season And on the one hand, you say, oh, it's great. She's still using this this mm-hmm. short window to make adjustments and improve. Martina made a good point, though. She said, that doesn't, yeah. It's, it's a little bit hitchy and what's she doing. And I also think, um, I think there was a really telling moment. She's listening to the Rolling so Stones. She said, she likes the Rolling Stones. She said, oh, what's your favorite Rolling Stones song? She didn't want to answer. They might make a playlist. Someone might say something on social media. And I'm thinking, this is someone who still is really dealing with everything that comes with being a number one player this is someone who doesn't go for celebrity yeah she doesn't feel comfortable in the spotlight and I think some of that translates onto the court and I just I feel like there's there's a layer and I don't I don't toughness is probably too crass something is missing there's a scratch in the facade
1: her level when she's on is the best in the world like I put her into everything and when you know she's a very process oriented player yeah, I wonder when the process gets interrupted, whether it's her doing or a lot of times, look, at just real life, real tennis stuff that happens. The best players that we all mentioned before, they can win with their C-level games. It's all about just getting yeah. to the next round, finding a way, figuring out something. And, you know, it's like, it's Djokovic serving and volleying against Medvedev in that U.S. Open final down set point. Like, yeah, I'm right, just going right. to throw this throw in it. here. Uh, but again, it opens everything up. And You know, like we mentioned, I did want to mention, though, Quinn Winzang, the Lee-Na comparisons, the symmetry that would be there, the 10-year anniversary, and good to see that she's back in the mix. But, yeah, I mean, somebody's got to make the final there. And, you know, Azarenka took out the other dangerous player, Ostapenko. We were all singing her praises. But, again, Styles make fights. Ostapenko just can't beat Vika.
0: And uh, (laughs) keep an eye on Svitolina as well. Another one, yeah. You know, a a former top-five player. We all make a big deal out of... She's back from attorney leave. What I don't think we talk about enough is what a different player she is. She plays nothing like she did in 2016, 17,
1: yeah. 18. I'm and getting vibes of like the Wozniacki Australian Open Championship that she won when she beat Halp that year. Yeah. And again, Caroline like, was number one, in all this stuff. The draw breaks right. And she keeps herself in amazing shape. And I think Svitolina now as a fighter, as a, as you said, more improved player, this is an opportunity and this is somebody that you're not going to really question fitness and get to the final, and then you have one match to win, and yeah, you're exactly. right there.
0: Just here we go. We're rolling out.
1: The showdown might be set. We're one match away, but this is where if, you, if you're ever going to make the argument for reseeding a bracket, it might be this year because Sabalenka versus Coco. I mean, it's more than pencil, not yeah. quite pen. We're in that range.
0: What is, what is, that's a good, uh, you, you, you raised a good yeah. riddle. What, what is more than pencil? No, I think you're right. Yeah. And now, obviously, would be a, a repeat of the U.S. Open final. I think you know, these are the two highest seeds left in the draw. These are the two players that are playing the best coming. I, you know, it's, it's been interesting. Sabalenka lost in the, her match before this tournament started. She lost 11-3.
1: Rubachina.
0: To Robachna. <laughs> I mean, just, you come in winning three games in your previous match against a player you played the finals the previous year. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of players would say, oh, man, the, the universe is not smiling on me. And Sabalenka has just been absolutely <laughs> dominant. And I yeah. think, you know, I, I hate it when people, oh, this is this match may as well be the final. Well, it's not. And there's different, you know, when the trophy's <laughs> in the corner of the court, it's a completely different mentality. Mm-hmm. The other player won six matches. I mean, I don't want to call this a de facto final, but I think if you're saying that a, a likely Coco Sabalenka match is pitting the two players playing the best tennis, the two highest remaining scenes, and, oh, yeah, the two players who played in the final of the previous right. major. Um, yeah, there's, that's the reason to stay up.
1: The most efficient tennis being played, probably in either draw right now or by the, these two yeah, women. And well for play. Coco, it's very impressive given, like you said on TC Live today, just handling the moment. Doesn't matter. Hard draw, easy draw, whatever's in front of her. Just my job is to win this match, and she's doing it. Efficiently handling the moment with Sabalenka, I did wonder with her because she's always been consistent, but will go deep in these tournaments even after she won Australia and have tough times. Maybe this is just a place of comfort for her because she's won here, but also that she just enjoys playing in Australia.
0: You know, you know what I reminded of was uh, with Naomi Osaka. She, you know, she has this crazy <laughs> U.S. Open final against Serena, and it makes international news, and it's awkward, and they are tears, and mm-hmm. we all know the story. And then she goes, and it's an ocean away, and there's none of the pressure. We were talking on the show today. Coco, yeah, Coco went to the movies, Iron Claw. That's a little. That's I, what I was gonna say. That's does. a little dark. I mean, shout no, out, but, out to the Von Erics yeah, but that's, that's a little. we all like Zac Efron from yeah from the musical. But imagine Coco in New York, just going to Times Square to like go watch a movie.
1: It never <laughs> happened. And no. I think there's
0: something about yeah. the rhythms of Australia and the vibe, and mm-hmm. the fact that you're in the planets. Yeah, sub-basement yeah. that you can kind of reset. And I think for both her and Sabalenka, a very different environment than that last
1: weekend in New York. It won't be for Sabalenka's benefit, I think. You don't have to worry about a fully partisan New York City crowd, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which could help her. Right. I said the same thing. We didn't mention him. I should say like Rublev last night against Demon Hour. I went into that match thinking that if Rublev handles the moment, handles being on the road, and handles the physical conditions – And it it wasn't easy because it hardly is with Andre Rublev in these big matches. But he weathered the storm and his body didn't let him down. And, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done to just go out and beat the crowd, too.
0: Right. I mean, I also (laughs) feel like sometimes we overstate that in tennis, like... You know, oh, the, the Greek population of Melbourne is really going to help Sacre over the line. Yeah. Like, are they, well, yeah. Are they, though? Yeah. Are they really? I mean, I think
1: there's something with Demon Hour and his support, though, I, I like think being that. the Aussie and guy.
0: Part of it's Aussie. Part of yeah. it, he's real Aussie. He's <laughs> like your, your fair dinkum, very mm-hmm. much sort of the archetype. But it wasn't like they, it's not like an yeah. NBA game where they've got thunder sticks mm-hmm. and they're, I mean, yeah. I think, you know.
1: The movement too, by the way, like, I I mean, we didn't really, I didn't have this written down, but it got me thinking, like the fact that they're letting fans come in on the even games and some people like it and some people hate it. I'm fine with trying all things and moving the game along. I don't know what, if the players knew this was going to happen, I don't see what the issue is. It would be one thing if they just...
0: I mean, I think Jordan Thompson... I think, but there are,
1: I've noticed, I don't want to like out certain players, but there's been matches where players have paused and they've maybe gone to the umpire and been like, all right, can we get this moving? But Thompson was the only one that it went outward. It's just right. getting used to something new is exactly. not easy. Right. The women's side, though, if it is, you know, you had Sablina and Coco. I mean, the name's still in it. It's kind of interesting, like Jasmine Paolini. It's you know, uh, uh, Oshindo Dan, Ocheando as, Dan. As we the two Ukrainians, yashremska and yeah, Kostuk. Right. Three, three Ukrainians, three, and, yeah, like. with Svidolina too. Um, fight, yeah. I mean, like, like Kostuk's been playing some pretty inspired tennis, and you know, unfortunately for her, she's on the Coco section of the draw. Yeah, exactly. Um, but there's opportunities there. And Kalinskaya, too, who won that match against Sloan, which was there for the day. I just want to see Sloan have that kind of attitude about tennis again because she looked good in the, you're beating Kazakina and was right there to win this one.
0: So how, I'd love to give Sloan True serum and just sort of say, how are you processing this event? Mm-hmm. How are you accessing this? On the one hand, yeah, you you beat Kazakina, you beat a seed, you, look, you won back-to-back mm-hmm. matches for the first time in months and months, and then you lost to a player outside the top 50 for the chance to get to the second week of a major. I don't know how mm-hmm. that goes down. I mean, Sloane is cool about this, and we've known this her entire career. When she's on, she's as good as anyone. And When she's off, um, it's yeah. tough for her, and we got a little of both this tournament.
1: Before we get to the quarterfinal breakdowns and you know big matchups on deck, um, you brought this point up as well. Unfortunately, could be, and again, Rafa didn't play, but... There was a lot of maybe end of eras, end of, you know, careers winding down we kind of saw on display with maybe Murray, maybe Chillish, maybe Stan on the men's side.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a, a reality <laughs> of tennis. I think one of the wild cards here is the Paris Olympics. Um, hmm. obviously for the for the French players, also for the players in Europe, it's a nice way to end up your career at the same time. They're not a lot of wild card. You know, it's it's not as though uh, <laughs> you just you, you want to play your automatically in. I think it'll be really interesting to see <laughs> Venus, Rafa, even Murray—if there are four eligible players from your country <laughs> and you are not ahead of them, yeah, um, it's not so easy to. Like we're talking get about a that wild the
1: American card. men. Like, look at you know, the American men—it's so tightly contested right now. Yeah, right. So you one know? of the
0: one of the five won't be on that team.
1: Yeah, and you're talking like Eubanks and Quarter be on the outside because yeah. the top four seem like they're entrenched right now. Right, but exactly. A big result here or there, you know, points to defend. Right. We know. Uh, Yeah, it's just, it does put it into perspective, right? We talk about the big ones like Murray and, you know, he's just not going to, these guys have such high standards, guys and girls, of themselves that if they don't see it, it's not, you know, Djokovic sees it and he's still out there winning. That's, you know, um, the difference. Uh, The quarterfinal side, though, John Wertheim here on Tennis Channel Inside In. I guess Rublev center, one that I'm looking forward to a lot. Who's going to break through? Rublev? 10th quarterfinal appearance, looking for that first semi.
0: That's amazing statistic, and you know that <laughs> it's got to weigh on him. Uh, the draw did him no favors. He's playing the hottest player on tour. He's 2-4 and four against Sinner. I mean, Sinner has just looked so good and so efficient, and even when he's gotten into little patches of trouble, he's gotten his way out of it. Hasn't dropped a set yet. Um, I think that's going to be
1: really tough for Rublev. The, and I'll put my analytic head on just things I've heard like Courier and other people say, but the ma- the mismatch being Rublev second serve, not exactly elite, big returners, big clean ball strikers have had success in center's case. I think it comes down to how Rublev's serving, um, but he's playing a train moving downhill. I mean, there's just nothing else to say than that. In, the center. In center, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a tough one. And then, obviously, Fritz get another check, another crack at Djokovic. U.S. Open, Aussie Open, like, hasn't beaten him yet. Yeah, Wimbledon. Wimbledon.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know what. I mean, Fritz has got to serve well. I mean, to his credit, um, he's not going to break down physically. I mean, I think his conditioning mm-hmm. is very strong. I just, you know, Djokovic, best of five, Australia, track yeah.
1: record, scar tissue, mm-hmm. See uh, some serve yeah. plus one tennis know, shorten some of these points and go for his yeah. shots and yeah. it might take more unforced errors than you know you might have to be aggressive and right. know you're going to make some mistakes but the beating beating the goat in the best of five that's just that's the thing and it's Definitely. I don't know if there's anyone you know other than the guys that have done it before other side right. of the other side of the bracket I mean do you think we're what would be the likelihood do you think like strong chance good chance that. We see Medvedev Alcaraz in the semi, or do you think some fireworks could happen there?
0: Um keep an eye. I mean that's that the Zverev? I don't Zverev know plays from. Nori. Zverev's Nori, right. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he's ever lost to him. Um yeah, I it's it is it is a really good point you raise. I mean, we haven't really spoken. You know, Alcaraz started against Gasquet and then, you know, mm-hmm. finally after two hundred matches, he yeah. played Jerry Jang who's
1: retired in the match. Him, too, but yeah. he didn't even got yeah. two games. He finally yeah.
0: plays a younger opponent, the guy wins two games and retires. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think you're probably right. I think this. I mean, this has been a very formful draw so far.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you know, Hubie Herkasz who plays Kazoo, um, Kazo who's another player that I
0: may have a little, little upset pick there.
1: That Hubie is. I mean, I like Hubie. He's a good server. You go and Bear gave him a match, but similar to Egan, in one sense, not all the way, but like grass court, he's something special. And the other majors, he's good. Maybe not great. Maybe beatable. Be a way to put it.
0: Yeah, I, I think he also. I mean. You know the same. If if fans know which players get tight, Mm -hmm. you can believe that the other players across the net know it too. And you have a reputation for a guy, a lovely guy, nice to have him out here, fun player, but a guy who doesn't necessarily you know punch through when it's five all. um, Other players know that.
1: Well, I just want to put into perspective on the women's side. We're expecting Sabalenka and Coco to win. Although Sabalenka might have some trouble with Barbara Kuczykova. I say might because she has beaten top players. She's won a major. There's a level of professionalism and a different style there. So maybe, but we kind of said that about Ana Samova and she won four games. But, you know, a match for the final and, and ultimately, John, a title. If we get to that point for either of those two, we're talking the two major club and that's you know, Hall something fame. special, Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, we're, we're also talking about a pretty compressed set of time. I mean, Sabalinko, yeah. we used to say, well, you never know what you're going to get. And she used to, she was a great wild card. She's mm-hmm. really buttoned it up. And mm-hmm. she hasn't, you know, she's only one only, but, you know, one major. But now she's a lot, I think it's six straight quarterfinals or better. Oh, oh, yeah, she's been the most and, consistent uh, by totally far. Totally consistent. And all of these sort of wild flights of fancies where she would, you know, she lost to Anna in Australia mm-hmm. a few years ago. We don't see that anymore. And yeah, I think Coco's done a really nice job of backing up her first major win. She said, I think in a weird way, I think people said it and she said it and people said, what? But I think it actually really helped her. She said, look, I'm not thinking about back-to-back majors. I'm thinking of winning 10 of these. (laughs) And everybody sort of said, why would you put that kind of pressure on yourself? But in a weird way, it sort of takes pressure off. I'm thinking so macro, Yeah, if I lose here, it's fine. I'm still going for double figures.
1: Two uh, hardcore majors on the trot—that's like the Naomi Osaka special. Yeah, exactly. Just going and the back, wraparound. In
0: uh, the case of Coco, Naomi did both of hers back to back. Remember?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, um, could happen again for her. Uh, wrapping up here, just a couple quick hitters before I let you go, John Wertheim on Tennis Channel Insight, and I do want to, I do want to, you know, join the tennis community and offering condolences for Mike Dixon, the journalist mm-hmm. that passed away. Uh, I didn't know him personally, but read a lot of his stuff, mm-hmm. Pro's pro that a lot of exactly. people could say great things about, and I know. You know, your fraternity of tennis journalists could use more and more people like him. And, you know, just want to offer my condolences to his family.
0: I, I appreciate that. And I will, uh, I will second that in every way uh, to, to Mike's family, to the fact that you really missed. This is an absolute stalwart. You would see mm-hmm. this guy all over the world and just, you know, that this wasn't someone who wanted to necessarily, you know, be, be known. He wasn't a look at me mm-hmm. social media guy, just a guy who did an honest Honest reporter, good, proper journalist, and uh, he'll be missed.
1: So we want to send our condolences that way. I want to also ask you a couple of questions out the door here, John Wertheim. One, when, if, I should say, but when will we see Rafa again? Oh, man. Uh,
0: That's a great question. I think some of this is health and some of this is sort of planning. Uh, You know, I mean, I think best-case scenario is – this Vegas exhibition slash Indian Wells. I don't think he's playing Miami either way. Mm. I think realistically, maybe he just shuts it down until the clay. And I think it's strange because in some ways, he's got to be really happy with the two matches he won and the level of his play and the level of his movement. And then the third match, another mm. physical compromise. And I think this is precisely what he wanted to avoid. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Some of this is about just, what the scans and the MRI and the doctors say. And I think some of this is a lot more strategic about how he wants this year to shape up.
1: He knows the end is coming. So unfortunately, you know, we're planning out and trying to maximize the minutes that he has left on court. So we wish him the best there. Last thing. I mean, it sounds like it's kind of a good deal, but was Andre Agassi back in the public eye a little bit here?
0: Yeah, I think this is, I mean, every day there's a new. We,
1: we didn't see him for like a decade and now he's back.
0: I don't know what is driving this. It's great to see him. We saw him, apparently, he went to Australia twice yeah. and did New an Breed's commercial and there's a, a pickleball. We just saw an announcement that uh, he and Steffi, you know, we, Steffi's been in a bit of an exile as, as well. Uh, they're playing an exhibition with Simona Hollop and Andre yeah. Pavel. Uh, there's talk about him, apparently, that at already plans being made for the U.S. Open. Yeah, I don't know what caused this uh, change in direction and strategy, but great. I mean, the more we can see these beloved champions in the public eye, the better as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, yeah, this has been a um, pretty abrupt shift, and um, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing him.
1: I'm all about seeing these legends as well. It's good to have them back in the mix. Uh, John Wertheim, always a pleasure talking tennis with you. Anything coming up that we should be uh, you know on the lookout for? Columns, features, anything—your oh, chance to promote anything you uh, want.
0: No, we had, uh, some fun sixty minutes <laughs> yeah. pieces yeah. coming up uh, Sundays on CBS, and uh, um, some Sports Illustrated stuff as well. But uh, and of course, of course, tennis.
1: All right, John Worthen. And hey, this is our reminder too. You know. If you're going to aggregate these clips, try to put them in the proper context because context, one of us here is an established journalist and uh, nothing personal against any players that we may criticize to. Just putting the disclaimer out there. Uh, John Wortham, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. You can go to tennis.com slash podcast and check us out on all your podcast platforms. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, to name a few. Check out the video episodes on YouTube as well. We're back in a couple of days. If we you're up for the final of the Australian Open on the men's and the women's side. It should be pretty good, to say the least. For John Wertheim, I'm Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening to Tennis Channel Inside In, and I'll talk to you soon.